0: For many anglers, booking a trip to an Alaskan lodge to go fishing is not only a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, but also the stuff dreams are made of. But there are some details that will make your dream come true and avoid some unfortunate realities that can happen if you don't plan ahead. So we're going to talk about that and more on this episode of Fishful Thinker, the podcast. I'm Chad LaChance, and you're listening to Fishful Thinker, the podcast. All things fishful, all the time. All right, so thanks guys for joining us on this episode of Fishful Thinker. And uh, speaking of joining us, I've got right here with me Mr. Dan Paul. Dan is the proprietor of Alaskan Adventures on the Holidna River. It's a place that I was very fortunate to get to go Spend spend a week last year and basically blew my mind uh, with, with your not only fishing, but the overall experience of fishing in literally the middle of nowhere. And what occurred to me is that there's not a lot intuitive about packing for these kind of trips. So I figured let's get Dan down here and let people know a little bit about it. We're just coming off of show season where everybody's at consumer shows and you walk up and down the aisles and you see all these lodges. There's questions people need to ask. There's things they can plan for. And you get some of these questions commonly. Uh, You just got off your show season. First of all, how'd it go?
1: Oh, show season was a blast. Um, You know, it's the part of the year that I really enjoy... Because I get to interact with guests at the lodge in the summertime. That's a lot of fun. But show season, I get to interact with people and a lot of people at a short period of time. Um, You know, and yes, you're right. I do get asked a lot of the same questions all the time. And these are really great questions, the questions that everybody should be asking. Um, You could come up with it. You think of it. I've been asked it.
0: Yeah, I believe that. And I've worked at consumer shows for a long time, since 2006. And even not even sitting in a booth, I see the same questions. Now, I just spent a, a few hours sitting in your booth here at the Denver ISE show this last weekend. Uh, same questions, each guy that came up to the to the show each time. And so I thought it would be good to take a half an hour right here. And let's go through some of that stuff and some of the planning to make sure that if a guy comes to not only your lodge at alaskan-adventures.com, just in case somebody wants a pre plug there. But also any of the other lodges in Alaska that, that, uh, that are up there. And there's a lot of them. But I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you at the personal level, how is it that a guy from Colorado comes to own a lodge in Alaska?
1: Well, <laughs> that's a long story. To make a long story short, um, I grew up on the shores of a really big lake, Lake Erie, <laughs> and I, you know, first made it on charter boats for walleye, and then later had my own steelhead guiding business as a kid. Later, moved out to Colorado, and I've always had a foot in the outdoor industry somewhere. Finally, built up enough of a nest egg to put a, a down payment down on a lodge, and. It's, it's home. Alaskan Adventures is out in the middle of nowhere, Bush, Alaska. We have all five species of salmon, which is iconic to Alaska. You know, sure. when you're booking an Alaskan fishing trip, I'm sure one of the first things you're thinking of is salmon. Sure. Now, my big criteria as far as fish goes, hey, what else could possibly be there? Because we don't know what the future holds. The future is... Who knows, as far as salmon goes. There's a lot of things happening in our planet that are changing the face of fishing as far as salmon goes. So, we also have pike, which are there all year round, and we've got some big yeah, pike. There,
0: there's a few pike around there. Yeah, the, your place, I joked real quick not to cut you off, but your face... It's a kind of place where you keep your hands and feet inside the ride at all times because you dangle a finger in the water, you might lose it to one of those hungry pike. It's crazy how many pike you have.
1: That's no joke. Not only that, but we have sheafish. Now, there's only five drainages in the north that have sheafish, and we're on the southernmost drainage. The southernmost drainage that we're on, sheafish come to mainly feed. The Holitna River and the Cuscoquin drainage, have an absolute god-awful amount of smolt and everything else you can think of. Lampreys. And lampreys. Um, and and sheafish just go to gorge. We have runs where literally on a good day you look down the run and it looks like the water is boiling with fish. The big thing for me about sheafish, it reminds me so much of home because when you eat a sheafish, it's just like eating a walleye. Yeah. And... It- I feel like I'm at home again. I love it. Absolutely love it. I get asked all the time I want to see Alaska. Well, you, hold on a second. You got to put in perspective how big Alaska <laughs> mm-hmm. is. Alaska is an absolutely huge state. My answer for that is well, <clears throat> You want to take all summer and maybe the next couple summers, or right. do you want to just start to pick it apart?
0: Right, right, right. And I've been lucky enough to go to Alaska a few different times and a few different places in Alaska. The experience is completely different each time. I spent time on Kodiak Island, completely different environment than Prince of Wales, which is
1: completely different environment than the Huletna River.
0: Just, everywhere. Just everywhere you, you go. go.
1: Everywhere you go. And that's... Probably the, the biggest thing that I'll, I'll want to discuss with folks is what is your iconic image of Alaska? Sure. And for a lot of folks, rainbows. I want to catch rainbow rainbow uh, trout. Uh, for a lot of folks, it, it's maybe it's salmon. Um, for a lot of folks, maybe it's halibut. I need halibut. Okay, well, there's different parts of Alaska that, okay, you need to go here. You need to be looking okay. here there's a lot of alaska which i consider the front stage you know you're on the road system or maybe you're in the harbors or you know you're obviously going out into the ocean and you're catching halibut and stuff like that there's not a lot of places like us that are out in the middle of nowhere bush alaska and that's what i consider the backstage there are a few lodges out in the middle of nowhere and that's what's hard to get to that's where when you fly out to these locations your packing list changes yes, because you're no longer flying bigger commercial type airlines. You're now flying small little puddle jumpers or a little 206 on Tundra tires. Right, right. And usually when you're doing something like that, there's a weight restriction.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and to, to touch on that right off the bat, I want to point out a couple of things. First of all, the fact that you're in that little tiny plane is half the adventure in the first place. Flying over the Alaska Range. When you leave Anchorage, you guys are 237 miles yep. due west, basically, of of Anchorage. Mm-hmm. So you've got to leave sea level, fly all the way over the Alaska Range. In our case, last summer, we were able to get a clear view of McKinley. Uh, we had a nice clear day to fly out. So you're going to look at a, what, 19,000? tall mountain as you fly out, you're going to go over the Alaska Range just high enough to clear it, (laughs) which is an interesting part of it, including glaciers and everything else. And then back down to, which is not far above sea level, your lodge. I think your lodge is probably relatively close to sea level elevation. I think
1: we're only about 200 feet in elevation. But you're
0: 150 miles from the ocean. Yeah. So that's why the river goes in circles up there, which is kind of interesting in and of itself. Um, But let's talk a little bit about, first of all, the seasonality of the whole thing. So the one has got a short season. Your season's what, May
1: to... Our season starts about the first Friday of June, and our fishing season ends about the second Friday of September. Now, through that entire season, we have fish that are there all year round, and then we have fish that show up for a period of time and move through the river system to get to where they're going to go spawn. Gotcha. Um, For example, the pike are there all summer long. Uh, We can find them in different locations and different areas. And there's some times of the year that, in my opinion, are happier than others. Sure, of course. Um, And then the she fish are there all summer long. The king salmon, they start showing up about the third week of June, and they're there till about the third week of July. Um, And then the sockeye salmon are showing up in July and the chum. And on even years, you have uh, the pink showing up in August, and same thing with the silver salmon.
0: On even years? Yep, Wait, yep. Speak to that. This is not something I'm familiar with. So uh, what happens on odd years?
1: Well, odd years, they take a, a break and do whatever they do out in the ocean. Who knew? I, honestly, I'm not a biologist. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but, me uh, either, but I play
0: one on TV. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you, we were there the last week of June last year, and I really didn't know what to expect. I made some common blunders because I didn't ask the right questions. Uh, and I did some stuff right just by being intuitive and having been to Alaska before, and that's some of the stuff we want to go talk a little bit about. Let's get a little bit more specific for a guys. So, first and foremost, if you're even considering it, like you said, what is your iconic image? What do you want? Do you want king salmon? Do you want do you want king salmon? Do you want silver salmon? Do you want pike? Do you want halibut? Figure that out first and work backwards from there, right?
1: Is that effectively you know, that's, what you're saying? That's, like- and that and the experience. You know, do you want a fully guided experience? Do you want a fully lo- a full lodge experience? Or do you want maybe a remote um, float down a ri- river in the middle of nowhere where there is no guide and you're figuring it out all on your own? Right. Either or... It's 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 a great experience in Alaska.
0: Well, and I love the idea of both, uh, but I like the idea of the guided better because look, I've only got a week, and and there's a lot of stuff in a week, a lot of fish to be caught in a week by a guy that knows. Hey, if we go here, we're going to catch them, and this is what they like, and this is how they need to be rigged. Plus, I don't have to fly with all my tackle, and that's a big deal. Now. Listeners, viewers, Fishful Thinker will know I like to bring my own tackle. I always do. It's part of my deal. I made a major blunder by not asking the right questions and that I showed up with a bunch of my fancy jerk baits and topwater baits, the stuff that I would normally think, "Okay, this is how I'm going to catch a giant pike." I had treble hooks. You can't have treble hooks. That's a kind of question you should ask right off the bat. What regulations do I need to be aware of that I might not be thinking about right off the bat? The treble hook thing was a major bummer for me because I had some baits I really wanted to play with. And my my camera guy, Tim Farnsworth, and we're going back. The place was so cool, we're going back this year. My camera guy, Tim Farnsworth, you guys have heard here on the podcast, he started tying flies right away with multiple hooks in them. And I hadn't bothered to relay the information to him that he needed single (laughs) hooks. And so it was like, man, you got to be smart enough to do that. So you need to ask your outfitter. Once you've chosen a species or or a season that you're going to go to, whether you have a tolerance for flying into the middle of nowhere or driving somewhere, like you're saying, dude, I, in my case, I don't want to see another human and other you, than the ones at the lodge. You're, you're not going to see anybody by us. No, well, no, and I can test that because I was there for a weekend. We didn't see anybody except for us. Uh, but you need to, once you've gotten through some of that basic stuff, you need to say what regulations are going to affect my fishing if I'm going to bring my own tackle. Now, I'm guessing that you're like me as a guy, since I run an outfitter business as well, I would prefer people fish with my tackle. Are you the same way?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, the reason being, I've got it dialed in. You know, I know it works. I, I know what you need, how you need to do it, and how to be successful at doing it. Now, that being said, I'm not going to stop anybody from bringing their favorite fly rod or anything like that. I mean, I know myself personally, I've gone to the Keys fishing, and the outfitter had a rod for me that was an eight weight, but it was super, super light, and I couldn't throw it because I'm used to a heavy Winston, right. and it made the experience a little bit of a learning curve challenge experience for me, not to... Th- say that i didn't catch fish and have fun but if i'd have had my own personal gear i would have had a blast especially fly rods fly rods are somewhat personal right exactly now that being said if you want to leave your gear at home we've got everything for you and i prefer that we outfit you with everything you need
0: now typical in alaska um you have conventional and fly gear correct i did both while i was there and i will hope to do some of the same when we go back this year um, do you have a strong preference as an outfitter one way or the other? Or Do some outfitters, what's your, what's your deal? I know you like to fly fish personally, but I would think that a guided client that comes up there that may not have quite as many fly skills would give you a band aid by having a conventional rod if he needs it.
1: Yes. You know, for some of the fly fishing that we do, throwing a 10 foot T11 or a T14, that's a heavy sink tip that we put on the end of a fly rod It takes a bit of practice. And it's not exactly the easiest thing in the world to just pick up and do. Now, if you show up and you try and it doesn't work out, well, we do have conventional tackle to make it happen. Not a problem. You know, I'm not a purist by any stretch of the imagination. Right. If I say to myself, I'm going to go out fishing tonight, I might walk out the back door and grab the first rod that's sitting there. Right. That's I don't, I mean. you know, hey, if my rod is bent, there's a big smile on my face and I'm having fun. Right, right, right. That's all that matters
0: yeah i agree with that and and so you can cater to everyone's needs there but not every lodge will and that's something you need to ask your guide as well one benefit i'll tell you and it's kind of a segue here to not bringing your own tackle is you're going to be limited in weight now that little 206 plane that we flew i don't even know uh well ironically i have a background in aerospace engineering as far as education goes but that plane doesn't haul a lot of weight. I don't know what the actual weight limit is, but it ain't very much. And I'm scrawny, and Pilot's scrawny, but a big, burly dude like you uh, is going to affect some stuff. You recommend a 50-pound weight limit.
1: Yeah, 50-pound weight limit on your back. Now, in there, all you need coming to our place is the clothes to keep you warm, dry, right. and happy. Right,
0: right. Now, I had 50 pounds, but I had to bring 15 pounds of gulp with me because it's like my security blanket. <laughs> and so I'm like a lioness. If so I don't have that blanket, I'm in trouble. And just for the record, we made that gulp. We put that gulp to work and caught some just outstanding fish with it, uh, particularly the sheepfish. We're very happy to have that gulp. But uh, I did bring tackle with me. Uh, if you are going to bring tackle, make sure you talk to your guide and figure out, what is appropriate tackle? Because if I showed up there with a seven-weight fly rod, I'm undergun for pike, I'm undergun for she fish, and I'm overgun for the Dolly Varden or the, or the grayling or any of that that we might catch. So it's not an appropriate piece of tackle to bring in there, therefore it's a waste of time. Same thing with your spinning tackle. I basically asked, what are we going to jig? What are we going to or what are we going to do? You're like, well, we're going to be jigging x amount of water. I know what that means, and I go from there. I'm going to recommend you not bring your tackle unless you're really gung-ho on it and you've got a really personal touch with your tackle because that allows you to bring more other things. So let's talk a little bit about clothes. Alaska, make no mistake, it's fairly damp there. (laughs) Moist might be a good word. Uh, Humid is another good word. It's fairly, in my experience, everywhere I've been in Alaska, it's very lush.
1: There's two things that immediately come to mind when I recommend in packing. One, Gore-Tex. Two, wool. Um, wool will keep you warm and dry even if you do get a little damp or wet. And Gore-Tex, it breathes, it, it, it sheds water, it's been tested and proven for many, many years. Um, I love it. I, I don't live without it.
0: Well, to that end, I showed up with uh, Gore-Tex and wool pretty much exclusively. No cotton. Cotton has no place from, I mean, and I'm talking about from your underwear up. Like, if you've got cotton briefs on, and then you get a little sweaty and you get a little, they hold that moisture. Now you're cold from the core up, is not a good strategy, guys. Wool is going to be your friend for sure. Gore Tex, I think it was kind of funny that you and I and a mutual friend of ours, Mike Deming, proprietors of the Pro Membership Sweepstakes, all had the literally the exact same jacket, rain jacket, <laughs> which three guys completely independent of each other all showed up with the same rain jacket in the middle of nowhere in Alaska. I thought it was kind of funny. And it, it really speaks to the importance of the. The, the quality of that rain jacket, because it's not a cheap rain jacket that we were wearing. So you've got to have that. You're probably going to have to bring waders. In your place, we wore waders almost every day. Even though we didn't necessarily go wade around so much, it drizzles, the boat's wet, the, air, you know, stuff gets wet.
1: I recommend waiter pants. Sims has a pair of waiter pants that they're easy on, easy off. If you have to go to the bathroom, you don't have to worry about straps and undoing a jacket or anything like that. The other thing is, you know, you're going to be catching big fish.
0: And they're wet and slimy.
1: And they're wet and slimy. We're going to put them in your arms. You're going to get pictures. You're going to get slime all over you. You know, you're going to be limited on your pants, so if you're wearing waiter pants, you're keeping your pants underneath nice and dry and clean, and you don't have to worry about, you know. Stinking up the lodge exactly. later in <laughs> with your
0: smelly <laughs> pants when you're sitting on the couch enjoying your gourmet or getting ready to enjoy your gourmet meal. You don't have to worry about having stinky pants. And that's exactly, that was the point I was going to make is the fact that the waiters allow you to wear the same pants in the lodge every night, and you're fine with that, right? Yeah. Um, very important that you keep those things in mind. In my case, I wore very thin, layerable stuff, so I didn't bring anything bulky at all. I brought lots of super thin layers so that if I need to, if it got cold, it didn't when I was there. But if it did get cold, I could layer, 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 layer. I mean, that's day one in the outdoors. You've got to learn to layer your clothes. But... Uh, if a guy's not used to being at that level of outdoors where it can be damp and cold, you need to really concentrate on wearing all your layers. And then your one top layer needs to keep you dry mm-hmm. all the time, yep. no matter what. Another thing I throw, I'll throw out there is uh, uh, anything you have that's really essential, um, important to bring. I, I'm a junkie for sunglasses. I, If I don't have sunglasses that are doing what I need them to do for my eyes, I have problems. So I brought a cloudy day lens, and a sunny day lens. And I did the same thing for Mr. Deming. Uh, brought glasses for him because he wanted some of my fancy costas. Uh, what personal things like that might a guy consider that that we might not be considering? In your case, you have, a, you have a shower and all that at your lodge for people. Is there some personal items that people should consider? Deet. Deet. Lots of deet.
1: 100% deet. Anything else the bugs laugh at. The bugs and laugh at. Yeah, I make it sound really bad. It's not that bad, but it's bad. What I mean is when you're on the water, you don't have to worry too much about the no, bugs. No, we had no
0: bugs when we were on the water, surprisingly, until until the guy let the boat get too close to the bank. <laughs> at that point, all bets are off. If you're within about 10 feet of the bank, well, you're going to have a bug issue. Fortunately, you have a big
1: river to play with. Yeah. Um, So definitely, you know, a little travel bottle of DEET should last you the whole week, but make sure it's 100%. Well,
0: and I'll throw this out there. If you want to make your outfitter happy and your guides happy, bring a little bit extra and leave it there. Because I think everybody in our group left their DEET there when we left. Because there's you need it period at yep. the end of the day you need it and and I get it that's not a selling point of Alaska but on the other hand those mosquitoes are a major part of the food chain that makes all of that go and that's that's the saving grace I looked at it again it wasn't an issue for us out in the main river Uh, because you're a little bit off the banks. And what we had no issues with bugs at all. I didn't have any deed on at that situation. But you and I went for a ride on the Argo, which in and of itself is a crazy experience. If you guys haven't been in an Argo, it's like an eight-wheeler that floats. And we're driving across a grass, what appears to be grass. It looks like a meadow. Like, I just drive across this meadow. And the whole ground moves underneath that thing. I think the entire place is floating like a giant peat bog. That's all it is. Yeah, so... You need to go do that. If you can do that while you're in Alaska, it's a really cool thing. But there's going to be some bugs involved when you do that. So the DEET's going to be a key thing. Uh, in my case, I downsized everything. My toiletries, is like I only brought a little tiny thing of toothpaste. I downsized everything to get my weight limit where I needed to be because I don't need extras of anything. Having said that, you ain't going to run to Walmart. No. So, if you want it, you better bring it, as mm-hmm. far as that goes. Uh, it, and it, toiletries, whatever the case might be. This is not a place you need to go prim and be all pretty, so you can leave your hair products and your tonics at home. But at the end of the day, you need to have your basic toiletries and things like that. Is there anything you tell people don't bring to my lodge?
1: Besides <sighs> treble hooks, which, yeah. is, which I should ask. Don't bring the treble <laughs> hooks. Um... Leave the bad attitude in Anchorage because you're going to have an absolute great time. And honestly, uh, yeah, keep it light. That's really about it. Um, and, oh, you know, I get asked all the time, what about tipping? What's a good tip? Mm, good point. Yep. Um, you know, usually, I don't know, 10 to 20% of the trip. But a little secret that a lot of people don't know that I learned a long time ago The best tip that you can give somebody, yes, cash, everybody look, cash is king, we all know that, Yep. cigars and whiskey. Cigars and whiskey. I'm not kidding, I'm (laughs) I'm telling you the truth. If you take cigars and a small bottle of whiskey, keep it in your bag, and whoever did the best job for you that week, make sure you give it to them when everybody else is looking. You know what that's going to do? That's going to give him a really great, oh, my God, I did a great job for this guy, and everybody else is going to work even harder the next week. There you go. I, well, I mean, seriously. Hey, you know
0: the funny <laughs> thing about that is tipping is supposed to be the bonus thing, right, to some degree. it's it, In my opinion, it's mandatory on a guided fishing trip of any sort, but I've had better... To, to confirm what you're saying, I've had better experience when I had a fishing guide in, in Wyoming. He's like, man, I really love those glasses. He's checking out my glasses. I like that. He had a blue lens. I'm like, oh gotta yeah, try this lens. Oh, man, I really like that. the end of the week, I handed him some cash and my glasses. Dude, that guy thought he died and went to heaven. Right. Uh, I, I had a guy in the key, or in the Bahamas, I should say. Oh, well, hey, a big barracuda would be awesome for dinner. Can we spend the last 20 minutes of our day trying to catch a barracuda? Well, that's a real hardship. Let me, uh, let me see if we can do that catch a big barracuda and let them take it home for dinner that night same thing works in mexico they love that kind of stuff so yeah i think that through all the way it's more personal if, if you go that route in my opinion
1: guides work hard and i think a lot of fixed folks don't understand and see you realize the amount of work that they actually do i mean they're right. up at six o'clock five o'clock oh. getting boats ready gassing up the boat making sure you're having a good time cutting up your fish, freezing freezing your fish, whatever. Hang no matter on what on. kind of day they're having, their job is to make sure you're having a good time. And they work hard. And I see it as a lodge owner when they come back and maybe their guest only caught 30 fish that day. Holy and God. the day before, you know, the boat caught 50 fish and they start stressing, oh my God, what do we, I'm like, what? dude, relax. Hey, you guys caught a lot of fish today. Right, You had a good day. Right. But their job, their focus is to make sure that you're catching the most fish you possibly absolutely can. Or whatever
0: it is you might need over the course of that day, exactly. handling your fish. Like I never once, I was there for a week, I probably caught, I, I hesitate to say, but it was well into the hundreds of big pike or in, of pike in general, most of them big. You snatched every one of them out of the water all by yourself. I didn't handle any of them. I didn't unhook any of them. I didn't touch a fish the whole week unless I was taking a picture with it. And that's that's something to say. And when, when you as a guest are back at the lodge and the chef has prepared some sort of hors d'oeuvres and you're sitting on the nice patio, what do you call that stuff you keep the mosquitoes away with? Oh, punk. Oh, punk, yeah. It's like some fungus they burn and It keeps the mosquitoes away. But you're sitting there in the nice shelter of the punk and eating some moose, sausage and cheese and crackers in the middle of nowhere. Meanwhile, the guide's cleaning the boat. Putting all the tackle together and everything for the next day and you need to keep that in mind when you're thinking about what the guy he didn't just go fishing with you that day
1: not only is he taking care of the boat and everything else he's taking care of his hands yeah because right. I, I mean yours you were didn't all t- taped up when i left <laughs> <laughs> you didn't touch any fish but yes your hands as a guide handling pike yes. and everything else get beat
0: up beat up yes all day long every day so yeah you definitely want to take care of your guys in that regard so Let's talk a little bit about the experience of being out in the middle of nowhere. What do you get from people? It's so remote that I think most people have never been that
1: remote. Is that something you see? My tagline, our tagline at the lodge is restoration through recreation. Mm. Um, Your cell phone does not work at the lodge. Man, that's a blessing. When we are in the city or when we are on the grid, we are constantly connected I myself am guilty of constantly staring at my phone because I'm always getting phone calls or I got to see what's going on. We've done it
0: five times in this podcast so far. Uh,
1: (laughs) (laughs) The great thing about being out in the middle of nowhere is that that does not work. So you get to be able to restore the relationships of the people that you are with through Recreating in the Outdoors so you and me get to know a side of each other that we don't see on our phone yep we are forced to live together in the moment
0: yeah living in the moment there you go you just hit the nail on the head the thing about going to a place like this in my opinion and i've been very fortunate to travel a lot and fish in a lot of places and and hunt a lot of places um that live-in-the-moment thing is the part that makes it freaking amazing, in my opinion, more than anything else. It's the being in the moment, in living in the environment, looking around, taking the whole situation in, not just the fishing. The fishing is amazing because you're in the middle of nowhere. But the moose and the bears and the wolves and the eagles and the otters and the, the environment in general and the plane ride and the lodge itself... All of that comes together and makes the experience. I mean, a lot of people make jokes about, well, fishing is not about the fish. Well, I get it. But a trip to Alaska, yeah, the fish is important. And and in a place like yours, you're going to catch a lot of them. But the experience is really what it's all about.
1: Do you remember the family that was there at the lodge when you were there? Yes, I do. Yep. Um, It was a father, son, daughter. Yep. Father had cancer. Terminal ill. Yep. A couple months later, he passed away. Mm -hmm. And it, you know, it kind of brings a tear to my eye when I think about it and I talk about it. Because as guides, we get to show people the best days of their lives. That's right. And when a, you know, family comes to the lodge and says, hey, we had the absolute best time. And dad, who's really sick, ate the most. And he actually gained he gained weight He gained 11 pounds that. while he was there. Yep. Um, you know, it, it makes... The fact that we don't make a lot of money, worth every minute and every ounce of everything we do, because we're creating memories that will last a lifetime, and that's that's what I love seeing about everything we do. That family reached out
0: to me just for the record, uh, not long after their father had passed, and that was their whole thing: was that our last really fun memories with dad was there. And uh, and so, yeah, that's that shows you what the value of why you spend your money and the effort, and you can work your whole life to death, but spend some money, go on an adventure that is just different, period. It is, it is the place, it is a different level of experience altogether between the off-grid and the wildlife and the fishing and the food and the people, and the fact that you're forced into the moment uh, is not, it's invaluable period. It's invaluable. And you and I both spent a lot of our our lives chasing stuff that doesn't pay necessarily very good (laughs) in terms of dollars, but it pays very good in terms of life experiences. And at the end of the day, uh, that's really what it's all about. So, you know, really, let's let's recap a couple quick things. Ask questions, period. Right. First and foremost, ask before you book, ask questions. More questions, the better. I don't care if you're booking with, with me to fish somewhere local or you in Alaska. Even more important, when you're going to be in the middle of nowhere, ask lots of questions. Pack intelligently. Pack technically, right? Because you need to deal with your conditions. And this is not the Hilton. You can't run to the store. They're not going to send up a toothbrush if you forgot yours. Pack way in advance uh because you need to be prepared for that. Um if you're gonna bring your own tackle, make sure that you've asked those questions of what I need to bring. What am I missing?
1: You know, I'm <laughs> I don't I don't think you're really missing a whole heck of a lot, but as an outfitter, my phone is always on, and I'm always happy to take any call, and and I'll spend hours on the phone with you um, talking about whatever it is that you want. I, this is your trip. I want to make sure that you're comfortable um, getting there and feeling comfortable with the decisions and everything that you were bringing to make your trip fun and safe and comfortable. Since you're feeding
0: me the whole time, do I need to throw out dietary concerns?
1: Yes, um, definitely, thank you. Uh, before you come to our lodge, um, you're we're going to be g- giving you a, everybody a call before we actually disappear into the bush, and we'll make notes onto our um, uh, menu schedule as to who's coming and if they have any dietary restrictions so that we can plan ahead for that.
0: Right, and that's been my case with the several times I've been to Alaska. Now is that you need to keep that in mind a little bit, but they should any any reputable outfitter is going to check on that before they feed you. In my case. I also gained weight while I was at your lodge, which I still haven't lost because I also blew an elbow on your stupid big giant fish and fly rods. So I'm still healing from my last trip to Alaskan Adventures. If a guy wants to get a hold of you, how's he going to get a hold of you? Uh,
1: Dan at AlaskanAdventures.net
0: is there a hyphen in there or anything
1: that my website is www.alaskan-adventures.com okay. my email is dan at alaskanadventures.net
0: got it there you go guys that's dan paul he's a colorado guy with uh, alaskan connections uh incredible guy when it came time to go back to alaska to take one of my closest friends and and camera guys since day one at Fishful thinker tim farnsworth uh this is the guy I called of all the places I've ever been. And so we're going there for Tim's 50th birthday celebration. That that speaks volumes about Dan's place and how cool it really is. And uh, big shout-out to you, Dan. Thanks for everything. Also, yeah. Michael Deming for introducing, uh, introducing me to your lodge as well. Go, Michael. We all love Michael. And, guys, um, do it. That's all I can say is do it. That money in the bank is not doing you any good. Uh, going on a trip. Of a lifetime to the middle of nowhere to fish and spend a week of your life is invaluable, uh, far more so than bank accounts or anything else. Make the effort. Uh, don't be afraid. Ask good questions. Book with a reputable guy and go get some fishing done. And uh, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Fishal Thinker the podcast. We've had a great time. We hope you'll mash the subscribe button while you're here. Check us out on. Instagram or Facebook at Fishbowl Thinker as well. Go to alaskan com and check in with Dan Paul at Alaskan Adventures. Book yourself the trip of a lifetime. Dan, thanks very much.
1: Hey, thank you.